We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to episode 406 of the Winning Six podcast presented by PrizePix, proudly a part of the Eurostep Podcast Network and the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always, my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. And also joining us for this episode is another one of my good friends, my other co-host in All Ventures Podcasting. I guess most relevant for here, the co-host of Make Time for This, but also my co-host on Cruising for Bruising, Andrew Snyder. Andrew, how are you? I'm wonderful. Great to be here. Longtime listener and friend of the pod and uh, happy to join and provide uh, this outsider perspective. Jordan, how are you? I am doing well. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. That sounded very fake. It did. I mean, you often sound very sarcastic just by way of being performative. You're like, I just want to really give this something for the people. But Jordan is nothing if not genuine, right? Pony. I really didn't think you'd go for that, even though I thought of it myself. But here we are. Let's do it. Let's do it. The reason we're all here, the reason Andrew was drafted in to win six for the first time in quite a while, is we are going to talk about a movie. To be specific, we're going to talk about a documentary. Giannis 
The Marvel's Journey released on Amazon Prime Video last week as you're listening to this. Not the first time that we've been talking about a a Giannis screen venture in the last, what, year? Maybe a little bit more than that. Um, Honestly, I would not be prepared to bet it will be the last time either. But this has been something that was only announced really recently um, as part of, I guess, Giannis's continued expansion into the world of film and production. And we can get into the specifics of this, but I was felt in a lot of his own language around it in kind of both press releases, how it was framed, and then even his tweets leading up to it. And when the trailer was released, that he was seeing this as something of a reclaiming of the narrative, maybe post rise, the Disney plus film. Um, I don't know. We can unpack what, what it's being reclaimed from or whether we feel that's true. I do think this definitely gives us all of the beats of the Yana story we know. I think a few little glimpses of things we didn't know, and then maybe a particularly welcome reminder and a timely reminder, given the state of the books at the moment, of some other things that we've all been through in recent years while watching Yana's bear the city of Milwaukee across his chest. I want to start, though, but it's just discussing why do we think Giannis is doing this? I'll give it to whichever one of you wants to take it first. We can drill in more specifics, but in the broadest possible sense, now 29 years old, right? Um, yeah. Why is Giannis releasing a documentary? Why did he have a Disney movie around he and his family's story? Why has he had two short films um, in partnership with WhatsApp that have also been released via Amazon Prime Video? Why do we Why do we think this is how Giannis, I guess, part of his business empire, but also his public persona is evolving, is true documentary, is true film, is true this kind of screen portrayal of himself? Um. Not to be glib, but certainly money is a factor. <laughs> if you're able to land these kind of media deals where you can tell your story on, you know, the biggest streaming services that will promote your story and you start a production company and grow your off-the-court pursuits even more. It's, I mean, from that perspective, it's a no-brainer for Giannis. In terms of, I don't, I don't want to deviate from your question because I feel like we'll get more to the meat of what we watched and, and the movie itself, but it is very kind of, I don't know. Like, I, I think, especially what in, in comparison to, like, Netflix is going to be having their own version of what I think it's quarterback or something like that, but they're going to do that with NBA players. So uh -huh. they're following these stars around the, for this season, it's going to come out next, whatever quarter that they include in there, all their press releases or whatever. But 
it does me I, I think it does say something that Giannis is whatever stories that he's telling and he's increasingly doing so he's doing it under the banner of you know his production company I think it's honestly like an evolution of as he started as his star literally grew and he's winning MVPs and everything like that we would hear, see these stories of name and likeness and he you know, the Greek freak and making this merchandise that was very exclusive and stuff like that. I think that's only grown, especially when it comes to, you know, what story do you tell best? It's your own kind of thing. Andrew? Yeah, for me, uh, when I was watching this, and it's obviously a very different thing because of where he is in his life and his career, where this other person is, but I kept thinking about The Last Dance. They're very different things because The Last Dance was just a a series of like episodes and this is just a standalone film but what elite athletes at this level kind of develop over time is obviously a desire to be in control michael jordan obviously claimed or the, the things that were coming out of that uh press tour or the rumblings about the last dance when it was happening is like oh you're not gonna like everything that comes out about me in this uh series it's so raw and real but in the end of the day, that was Michael Jordan shaping a narrative about himself as a dominant competitor and really the greatest all time, juxtaposed with uh, LeBron eventually going for his bubble title. It's funny how that timing all uh, worked out. Remember the bubble? That was terrible. Um, so I think Giannis and seeing his story told with his participation, but probably in a way where he could point out things uh, that maybe he didn't like the way it was presented or uh, he didn't like this little detail. I mean, obviously in a Disney movie, you, you're not going to feel like your full story was told, even though he was like very heavily involved with the production of that. Mirren Fader's book, I think was, is probably the definitive text at this point of telling Giannis's story, especially, um, you know, uh, at this point in his life. So I think that athlete mentality that's like, I control basketball games. Like I control the state of a league. I, I control the way a front office and an organization operates. I want the agency to also do that with my story. It's funny. And we'll get into this later, but um, as I was watching this film develop, I was like, you know, you know, I know this story. Like I, this is very familiar to me. So I think this almost operates better being viewed by non-Bucks fans that maybe don't know every beat-by-beat beat detail of Giannis's story. But I think uh, it's just that ultimate competitive mindset. Like, I'm branching into uh, content, obviously, like Jordan, you said, for business purposes. Uh, like, okay, I've seen my story told by others and with my participation. Now I'm going to give you my version, even if you've heard it before. And I think it is just kind of like that athlete mindset. And obviously, when you get to kind of that degree of success and the way the people with that degree of wealth start to think about their like empire. I think it kind of just all culminates with that. I think uh, like I'll start off with this and we'll talk about the film and there's some of it. I think I, I don't really have a lot of time for it. I think it's honestly quite bad. Uh, we are all talking from the perspective of how we've seen this a lot. And like, as in we know the story, we know the beats inside it. We are not normal people when it comes to this. Um, shout out to Numak and his his view as the everyman of the audience. Even he will not be the everyman in this case. This applies for 
basically everyone listening on the Win at Six feed, maybe people listening over and make time for this feed, hello, our film friends. Maybe they don't know all the beats of the Anna story. Uh, I think a lot of people, even non-sports people, know the beats of the Anna story. My parents have seen Rise. You know, it was on Disney+. Plus. Giannis, if we want to go through the beats of this, um, the first big moment, and you and I were blogging about the books, and it was like a big moment for not only is him, but kind of the new version of the books breaking out at the time, Jordan, was when there was a 60 Minutes segment on him. Um, yeah. On the same night that Stormy Daniels, right, it was on 60 Minutes. So it was, there was a lot of a lot of eyes. Did you forget that? A lot of I eyes forgot on, that detail. on 60 Minutes that night. And Giannis got a really big spotlight that really did introduce him again to the kind of far beyond basketball. Who's this guy in the story? And there was a real kind of wave of, God, this guy is amazing. What an incredible story. This truly is the idea of, you know, the idealized version of the American dream and, you know, the land of opportunity, what it can represent. So we've had instances like that. We've had the story told endlessly that I think anyone who's even stumbled across a books game in passing over the last probably seven years now, and obviously books games are much easier to stumble upon in passing on the more recent end of that scale you will have heard his story told throughout that there was an espn podcast series um created hosted by the most important figure in nba media i would make the case for adrian wazerowski where he went through the whole process of Giannis being discovered in Greece, a lot of the ins and outs and kind of the emotional elements of trying to get his family to the US and the path that led him to the books. As we've already touched on, Walt Disney, you may have heard of them, um, they made a movie on the story of Giannis and his family, which Giannis executive produced, um, and I do feel like he really strongly endorsed at the time. He was... I don't know. I, I just get a sense. I'm certainly reading between the lines. I get a sense that he doesn't like that being the version of his story that's kind of out there. Um, I don't blame him. <laughs> I I disagree. I really disagree. I think Rise is very good. Uh, like, Rise is what it is. I think it is very good. I think it's a much better film than this. If I was to to capture something, uh, we'll, we'll get into We'll get into the specifics of what this is. Um, but I, I think Rise, in terms of like its whole purpose was to Disneyfy it, right? I don't yeah. think it did that excessively, but it did make his story and the core emotional beats of it very accessible for the widest possible audience to just be able to get Yas, like who he is, what made him, what shaped him, where he is now. Not in the specifics, not in what it really means to know Yas, but to have a sense of it, for him to be a name that's out there and the people know and recognize. Um, then there was Mirren Fader's great biography. We've had Mirren on the network before. We, The four books hosts um, spoke to Mirren at the time the book came out. I am right in saying that ended up a New York Times bestseller, am I, Jordan? I believe so, yeah. Um, I would say that is possibly something that Giannis maybe doesn't love. He was not in it. He was not in it. And I think in part because not that there was any issue there with Mirren or really, I mean, her work with athletes in this regard in terms of her features all throughout her career at different outlets has been really exemplary. Um, but 
possibly more so and just hey i want to hold on to that because that's my story to tell at some point and sure enough he really has he's telling the hell out of it i just think it's it's exhausted at this point and i think there are beats of this incredible story that i'm aware that we've heard it more but i'm like i don't know if you need to tell this as much as often as you're doing right now because i think the last dance is it's kind of really salient to bring up the last dance because what made the last dance special is as much as it's not like Michael Jordan was a man of mystery and that people could turn on their TVs most night and there he was. You can go to any city in the world and he'd be there on a billboard. You could go into any store in the world and you might just be able to pick up his shoes. Uh, the level of access of here you are sitting down with Michael Jordan and he is going to tell you about this event that happened or his process or his viewpoint. That was rare though. That was rare, and that's what made the last dance into an event. Giannis is not the first nor the last athlete to take this route, and it is certainly born out of a glut of you know, streamers pursuing sports content in this way post the last dance success. I think there is a level of misunderstanding, though, as to what that is, and I'm kind of intrigued by the people who seem to be staying away from this. For example, is there someone in the NBA more deeply invested in the production world, in the film world, than LeBron James? Spring Hill Entertainment, am I remembering that right? That's his production company, and Rich Paul, and all that kind of thing. Um, LeBron has not done this. Because LeBron will have seen The Last Dance and gone, oh great, I am going to do that. And I think Giannis's story, kind of in that more sprawling sense and when all is said and done and we see what it was I think that would have been a really nice and interesting thing to have on the table I think right now he's kind of just cannibalizing himself with the amount of stuff he's putting out there it's not bad for books fans like it's it's fun in the moment because particularly if you're a fan of Milwaukee sports it's not like you have been blessed with you know your favorite athlete being front and center of you know, worldwide documentaries from major companies. But I do think it could be a case that 15, 20 years from now, they could be more interesting. I, I think we're getting a version of the story now that is still more sanitized because of its closeness and time. I think, you know, we'll talk with people who are in this documentary, people who aren't in this documentary. You're not getting the full story told in that regard. And part of that can be that, you know, some things are too raw, or maybe there's things that aren't quite ironed out, or maybe it's just, well, this is just a, you know, what, 105-minute film. This is what we've got time for kind of deal with that. But it's not really telling the entirety of Giannis' story with the books, or even kind of getting to dive into the meat of it, even though it's doing a lot more than, for example, Rise got to do, or than, for example, even Mirren's biography got to do, which have all been about really the story up until a point. I just feel this was a step beyond that this was a step into the journey which is a little bit different and to to your original point jordan as to your theory for why he's doing this maybe just being money i have no doubt that he got paid an amount of money for this that like you or i would be like hell yeah our lives are changed forever um i don't think it's the amount of money that Giannis is necessarily even gonna notice <laughs> I shouldn't say that. We know how Giannis feels about money uh, and how he talks about that. This was not something that was made at a very high level and went to a festival and premiered and that there was a bidding war around. This was something that's just like two weeks before it's 
you know, dropped on Prime. It's like, oh, there's a Giannis documentary. That is not generally how things go when there has been a major, major amount of money exchanging hands. And I think if Giannis wanted to, like, really make the most of it financially, again, I think you might be better waiting 10, 15 years at this point and being like, look, we can really dive deep deeper than anything else has into all the elements of my early life, my family's life, the the journey from Nigeria to Greece, the story of how I ended up being who I am and how I ultimately got to America. But also I'll be able to give you completely unfiltered, you know, we're going to really pull back the curtain and you will know all of the ins and outs of my career, the highs, the lows, and a lot of those moments, truthfully, we just don't have a handle on yet. Like he did an interview with Eric Name for the Athletic today as we're recording this. It will be a week ago when a lot of you hear it. Um, but that was essentially just laying out how crazy the last year has been because of all the constant changes. Sounds like good documentary content. <laughs> you know? Sounds like something at the end of his career, someone will be able to say to him, tell us about the year where Mark Lazary sold to Jimmy Haslam team lost in the first round of the playoffs. Mike Budenholzer got fired. Drew Holiday got traded for Damian Lillard. Adrian Griffin came in as a coach, a coach that everyone said you endorsed. Then you and everyone else wasn't happy. He got fired. Then Doc Rivers came in. And God knows what elements of this story for this season we haven't even seen written yet, right? So I, I really do think he's just kind of overexposing himself here in a way that's fascinating to me because he is the most deeply private person and I will say to me that still comes across in the documentary like we may have access and see things we haven't seen before like I wanted to see him at home with his kids and with his partner Mariah because we've never seen that I think there was maybe one day of shooting where that was the case <laughs> you know? like it. I think that's that's probably the case for that. And I think overall, there was maybe three to four days of shooting for this film. And then we've got some really cheap and awful reconstructions for parts of it. Um, just really cheap and nasty filmmaking. Like, just... I I, I really struggle. We'll, we'll dive into it. I, I think the first 20 minutes of this film, being the part of a story, which is, like, it's the most incredible part of the story, but it's also the part of the story that we we have just had the Disney movie and we keep hearing over and over again. Um, and I feel like you, every time you're going to tell that you need to tell it right. And you need to like make it land. And I, the filmmaking was truly awful. I think once you got past that, there was so much more footage to work with that things became a little bit different. And there was a lot that even as books fans of the level we are, that when he gets to Milwaukee, you've never seen before. But to tell the story in a way that is will make a good documentary, like just an objectively good documentary. I've noticed that, that probably just a lot of people listening are like, what is he talking about? This is great. It's just about Giannis and the books. And that's what I want. But I think if you were to show this to someone who doesn't care about the books or they're not the you know their favorite team or Giannis isn't, they'd be like, this is really average at best. And part of that is to tell the story early on, like you want Giannis to give you the level of access where you're following him around at regular intervals for like a year, right? 
and you're going to catch him at different moments at different levels of vulnerability and maybe he opens up on something and he could say you know we talked about that before and i taught some more let's let's talk about that again and you ultimately get something that's a much kind of bigger picture and that goes you can extend out to his family members and how you talk to them too where when it's just the feeling that this gave you is oh we got to sit down interview with Giannis this day at the at the art museum um we've got sit down interviews with Tanasis, with alex with costas with his mother veronica and then it's it's like what you're getting on those days is making it in here that's a cheap and nasty, quick streaming documentary. Something that feels like it's rushed. And I think that comes across in the early part of this film, which that's where when I, I do, I'd argue to you, Jordan, that I would much rather someone watch Rise to understand Janos because is it maybe disney and pitched to a younger audience in terms of what that struggle is like? Yes. Does this documentary also justify you know, the telling of that story, it needing to be retold in this way based on what was left out? I don't think so. Because it was just like the Golden Dawn stuff, which I didn't think was very compellingly... Again, you don't have the footage and I don't think they put the work in to get the level. There is one moment very early where it's like, I think it was, I checked how long in it was because I was like, we're 11 minutes in and Giannis is really crying here. Mm-hmm. Um, But that almost even got lost in the early shuffle because we move out of that part of his life pretty quickly i don't know i've talked through i've i've responded to both of you and i've put a whole lot else out there does any of that resonate or does any of that make sense or did you feel that was it something where only i was like ah, oh, those first 20 minutes are are kind of not it and to me the film had a split from there or does what i'm saying make sense or indeed did you guys feel it too no i, I would agree i think it's really hard from being as deep as we are to have that story land the same way over and over and over again after reading, I mean, after knowing it for many years and then reading it in a biography on him that expertly told everything. Like, oh, Also for you and I, Jordan, we've read it in almost everything. Everything from the moment when like, you know, oh, there's the first New York Times profile of Giannis or there's the first big ESPN profile, the first big bleacher report, like every one of those. Yes, yes, I cover every one of those. Like we went through that cycle at the moment and you do that long enough and a lot of really brilliant sports journalists covered it. And that goes true then to Mirren Fader telling it in the book as well, where you, you learn something new every time. But honestly, there's only so much that can go on. Maybe part of it is Giannis being like, all these people have been telling my story. But the reality is to most of those people, Giannis told his story to them. And they yeah. were really scared, skilled storytellers who were able to package it in a way that is kind of as strong and as flattering as anyone could want their story to be told. You know, it's like, I don't know. If it, why... I don't know if anyone should really want to tell their own story as much as be like, can I get someone who's detached from this and is just a phenomenal storyteller and they tell my story? Because there is always something in that. You'll always, you will dwell on different things that may be most important to you, but may not actually capture the essence of how the world sees you or how you've become to the world from the outside. Yeah, that's that's why 
I think really the the best parts of Marin's book, thinking on, on it and reflecting on it, it's really the, there were a ton of different stories and details of just what Giannis's life was like living in Greece and selling trinkets or whatever on the street and hearing from you know this one guy that knew this, this basketball coach like the level of 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 reporting or just kind of connections that she made to tell that story is simply remarkable mm-hmm. and that's why like even though Giannis is not feet he's not there's no Giannis said yada 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 there's none of that but you know his story so well and i think for as someone that doesn't have direct spoken words about his it's not it's an it's a biography not an autobiography Mm -hmm. it it hits the mark of what feels like what stuff would feel like what Giannis would say but for whatever it's packed reason. with with firsthand accounts of observing Giannis. Like, yes. Like for example, to compare to the doc, the book is filled with like stories of the generosity of like local business owners, people who own cafes, and you know would would give food to Giannis and Tanasis and would look out for them. And in the documentary, I think the closest we get to that world is um, when Giannis is retelling again the story that I think we've heard sometimes most book signs will of how they used to go to an internet cafe and they used to watch NBA highlights and that's where he first saw Kobe Bryant and all this kind of thing. Ricky but Rubio in... was mentioned among the players, which that it sure was. Got to mention as well, which again, a staple staple of the Anna story, mm-hmm. but in the biography in Mirren's book, you would be hearing from like the internet cafe owner just as an equivalent if you want to tell that story where when Giannis tells it that's great but we're watching it over actors reconstructing as if this is like some true crime thing as opposed to you know again this is uh, this would also be part of it for me if I'm Giannis and it's like but then he's not of this world and it's like who are your partners and where is this scene is it just a cash in thing in terms of a lot of the people around it it's like, go and sell this thing in advance. Go get your streamer on board early and say, we're going to Greece and we're going to film in the cafe. Or we get some footage of a trip that Giannis takes to Greece. But if you plan this thing out and you really care and are invested about it, Giannis will go back. I don't know if that internet cafe is open. It's an internet cafe, so probably not. <laughs> but, but he would go back. You go back to the street and he'll point to it and he'll say, this is where we went. That is much more compelling and emotionally investing to see Giannis in the place grounded saying, this is this is where it happened. And this is where we discovered basketball. We'd beg, we'd ask for, you know, can we just have 15 more minutes? Maybe you go and you can find the, the owner of that place. You can reunite him and Giannis. You know, the, I, will, I will admit, first and foremost, many people listening who aren't aware of the extent of this, there are two parts of my brain. There's the sports part of my brain and there's the film part of my brain. And this is the kind of thing where it all comes together. But I couldn't help but be disappointed with a choice like that, where we have seen this story told either in great profiles or in what is to this point, the definitive biography of his life, where we hear from these other characters, if not from Giannis himself. So when Giannis tells it, you want it to be even more personal. You want to get there. It's not there's anything wrong in his telling of it. But this is a this is a film. It's a documentary. 
So what matters is the visuals you're putting against it too. Yeah. Um, when it's like it's actors, it's like, oh, what's this? I saw, that, like I saw that rise? extra on Doctor Pimple Popper, MD. That's where, where was it? <laughs> where was it even shot? That's what I'd love to know. Was it in a lot question. in Atlanta? You know, it's it's the kind of thing that. I I just think there's a better version of a story to tell. And look, technically, if he wants to tell it, he can tell it in the future again. Um, but this is chip away at it a little bit in a way that I don't think like he needs to. <laughs> like the value everyone has on it. I will be curious too. A documentary dropped on Amazon Prime is not a lot of big movies have been dropped on Amazon Prime and made not a lot of noise. Um, this is not necessarily a guarantee to find a new audience for this story in the way that a lot of people think. I think it's something that people who know and care about Giannis will seek it out. And then you are already showing parts of your story to the people who know it already. And you got to think about making it interesting for them. So I love, I love that it was just past Saltburn when I was scrolling to find it. Was it really? Yeah. <laughs> I think it was like on the same. It was like it was, Amazon Prime and original, actually, so it was in the same panel. Actually, it was it was front page main banner for me. I will say, and I don't. That is another point that I wanted to make. It was not for me. I had to really search for it, and then I went to the sports section. And of course, it's leading that. But to your point, like this comes off the heels of Amazon producing and making the Barry Sanders documentary, and the whole conceit is that Barry Sanders retired ab- abruptly and hasn't really talked about why he retired. Right. You're in. Like, that's what you want. Yeah. Yeah, right there. That's where I think, I think for me, one of the biggest concerns I had was that, if and I'm a sports documentary lover, uh, pseudo want to make one. <laughs> but... I watch a lot you of these. Want to. You are you you are you are actively in the I, process. I know, I know. I need to introduce you to my brother, Jordan and Jordan converge. That's, that's true. That's them. a good idea. Um, but I watch a lot of these documentaries and I can't really I can't name a number or put a number to how many of these are made when the career is still being or still ongoing. Did either of you watch the Steph Curry A24 no. Apple doc that was that recently? I did not. Did you say that, Andrew? Uh, no, and that probably speaks to your point that I was uh, incorrect on saying that I think this would uh, functionally educate non-Bucks fans where in actuality, because I am on this podcast network and I like the Bucks and I like Giannis, I would watch this, whereas the Steph one just didn't care didn't even cross my mind to watch it so and like it's just it's completely disposable it's it's nothing and again it's one where you're like in his case even more so geez you could have waited five years and this makes a lot more sense you know you're you're right there why now why now as the moment to do it look in some ways it is the gold rush because the streamers all want this and because the streamers all exist because guess what five ten years from now they won't um, but something will exist and people will want to watch this stuff and like the last dance's legacy will be interesting at a remove where I think maybe we could get back to seeing some things that are actually like in conversation with what the last dance was. Yeah. As opposed to God, people love sports documentaries. Let's just give them all of the sports documentaries. 
I do think, though, having, you know, occasionally I prepare for podcasts, but thinking over of these are replacing sports biographies. I, I could show you a bunch of biographies that I have they, gotten. Is, kind is this of, not I mean, the perfect example of, that it isn't? Because if you were to recommend to one person, if someone came up to you and said, Jordan, look, I don't really, maybe somebody who lives in Milwaukee, don't follow basketball, don't like it. They're like, look, don't even watch the books. But Giannis, he's his outsized personality. I walk past his mural every day. He just feels like someone I should know more about. What do you recommend as the best path to do that? Are you more likely to recommend Mirren's book? Or are you going to say, watch oh, the book, doc? Hands down. Mirren's book, hands down. But what I'm saying is, from a player perspective, like reading... So autobiographies you're talking about. Yes. Biographies. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Okay. And a lot of these, like Steph Curry, I believe Marcus Thompson has written yeah. one, if not more than one. But one, I think, specifically on Steph and one on the Warriors. It's probably very yes. heavily about Steph. And I just think that's kind of, in terms of like the gold rush, it's not, these guys aren't, you know, putting books out. It's, Oh, these streamers want my story. Let's tell it. Let's do it that way. I I don't know. Maybe that's. I just I, I you're you're not necessarily wrong on that. I think it's quicker. It's easier. It sounds more glamorous. There's something that sounds very glamorous about a Steph Curry documentary on, you know, Apple are producing a Steph Curry documentary with a twenty four. If you're Steph Curry and your people go and say that to you, it's like, yeah, that sounds cool. There's like one of the one of the biggest company in the world. Um, I don't know. We could split hairs between that and who Yano's partners with, with Amazon. It's not necessarily where movies go to have great success as movies or to actually burgeon, like bolster your legacy. And ultimately, that's yeah. what this is. And that's what that's what a autobiography used to be was. Okay, this is how I tell my part of the story. And it's like my last word, or if you're someone like Kareem, the first of like six last words you're going to have on your career. And shaping that legacy. Look, I've, there's no stopping these guys doing books again, and maybe that comes back to a place where that happens. So no stop them doing documentaries. I just, if I was advising him, and we could probably have a whole different story, whole different conversation on, um, you know, Sansa Kumpo's agent. I know it's the subject that you've always been very passionate about, Jordan. Um, I wouldn't have advised him to do this. I would have said, let's wait. Let's wait. You could tell us in our way. Sure. We... Let, let's start a production company. Um, you wanna you wanna kind of tell stories about basketball or whatever? Like, great, let's do it. Let's go and tell, let's go make a documentary about the Greek League, or let's go make a documentary about undocumented immigrants or refugees in Greece who play basketball. You know, it, produced by Giannis Antetokounmpo. Let's do that. Let's tell people's story. And that is a way that is additive to your own story, to his own legacy. And also, I think kind of, I don't know, making the change or making the impact that Giannis would like to see in the world. Well, also just possibly making better films, right? There's a whole different framing that's there. You can just get someone to go out and shoot and go and meet real people instead of what footage have we got? What footage have we not got? How are we going to work interviews in? It's a it's a very different project. You could have done that and say, let's build a production company that's got some heft to it. It's worth noting that 
I've actually I've never watched this, but it was I don't know have you seen it, Jordan? The Flag Makers, the short not... documentary that was nominated for best uh, short documentary at the Oscars. I feel like two years ago that Giannis produced. Um, not part of I guess his current production shingle, but something that he somehow got involved in. They are based in Wisconsin, and. I don't know, maybe it whet his appetite in some way. Maybe his name lent something to it, but you could make stuff like that, build up a, a real production company as a business. And then when the time is right, you're all set to go all out and telling your story, like really go all out. And when you've got the time to do it and tell it properly yourself. I don't know. I don't want to get too bogged down with that. I want us to get into actually some of the the kind of the book's details. Andrew, have you got something before we do that? Yeah, and I think this will speak to a larger conversation we can have, but there's one aspect of it that I think I'm going to be fascinated to see the rest of the story of in a decade, maybe, if he revisits like his whole career in totality and what it means is I'm someone, Adam, as are you, that had no relationship with the city of Milwaukee and then until we all of a sudden, and it's obviously very different and very uh, much more important and personal to Giannis, but no but relationship. It is, it is like Giannis. You've no, no relationship. Right naturally by birth until all of a sudden you have a relationship by circumstance and by choice and it's an an intense experience and just like <laughs> living and breathing with the sporting teams of a city that you're not from but you like have such a reverence and an appreciation for the city after going there and i'm like the parts of this documentary that i like really work for me i mean obviously Giannis sitting in like the the white backdrop of the art museum is incredible. Beautiful. It's gr great. I love it so much. Uh, we were there. I, I so see... it speaks to us. Yeah. That's... Yes. I want to see uh Brandon Woodruff there. Uh, sure. And some, some promos at some point soon. That'd be great. Um, But yeah, his relationship with the city and what it means to him, it clearly means a great deal to him. Um, Cause he's a person who like home means several different things to him. And I would assume that he views Milwaukee as sort of a, second home and uh kind of like how his relationship with the city starts develops and where it gets to an end point at some point whether or not that happens i, I think that's a story i'm going to be very interested to hear when i'm you know in my 40s and his career is done i mean maybe that's an upside is that there is this documentary evidence of a time where Giannis felt nothing but the greatest of feelings with Milwaukee because we don't know that his career will necessarily end with it being in that point and maybe there's some bad feeling that develops. I think it will take a lot on both sides but who knows? Time's left for that to play out and a documentary down the line could be less about Milwaukee than it is about somewhere else. I don't know. Like from that perspective maybe we should be grateful for this Um, but I just like I haven't mentioned it to now. This is called Giannis the Marvelous Journey, which is one of the worst possible titles I think anyone could ever. What did someone take two seconds? And even with that, they went with the worst thing that came into their brain in two seconds. The Marvelous Journey? Like, just call the thing Giannis. <laughs> Seriously. The, the part of what his whole brand and his name has been built around in America is the kind of the singularity of his name, right? The fact that he is not necessarily competing in the American sports sphere and honestly in the global sports sphere. There, there aren't any other Giannis's who have the pull that he currently has. <laughs> there is no doubt if you call it Giannis, people know what it's about. The Marvelous Journey? Nonsense. Complete nonsense. And honestly, if you want to have a title like that, 
the journey so far is much more accurate for what the film actually is. So I think that's a weird one. All right, before we continue, today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one fantasy sports app with over 3 million members. They're the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. You pick more than or less than on two to six player stop projections and watch the winnings roll in. Right now, it's demon time on prize picks. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. You can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks. You could turn $10 into $1,000. Jordan, due to our schedules, we're recording this when the books are currently still in their all-star break. We're a little bit ahead of time. But the good thing about prize picks is there are also season-long options, right? We're not we're not tied to any given game week to week. That's right. For example, I think I'm going to make a play on Giannis having more than three and a half 40-plus point games before the end of the season. Mm, I like that one, Jordan. Go to prizepicks.com forward slash Eurostep and use code Eurostep, that's G-Y-R-O-S-T-E-P for a first deposit match up to $100. Once again, that's prizepicks.com forward slash Eurostep and code Eurostep for a first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's not easy. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On to the books elements of this. We get John Hammond on camera. Hammer. That is truly additive, and I would have liked more of it because that is not something we've had a whole lot of post Hammond being away from the books, kind of opening up about it in this way. Um, he is one of the most central figures to Giannis ending up in Milwaukee. He is portrayed, you know, literally in rallies, he is portrayed by an actor. Nope, he's not named if I remember correctly, but we all know it's John Hammond. Um, they should yep. use the guy that played uh, John Henry in Moneyball. Uh, Arliss Howard, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. 
fresh off his his work in David Fincher's The Killer. Uh, yeah, they could they could definitely have done that. I I think it's nice to see Hannon. It's nice to hear him talk about this again. Um, one of the things that I found interesting. You might remember this name better than better than me, Jordan. The video coordinator who Yas befriended and was a really central figure in Mirren's book is a Ross. Something? Ross Geiger host Ross, of 48 correct. minutes. Do we know why Ross Geiger wasn't actually in this? Instead of um, we see we see home video footage of him I teaching us to drive. He was he was making a ruckus with his uh podcast that caused more stirs about Giannis's future in Milwaukee over the summer. I, I remember that, but I, <laughs> I wouldn't have thought that it it seemed like they had a very significant friendship relationship. Maybe that's dead now. I don't know. Um in part my view on that would be just don't bring him up if that's the case, but bring him up and introducing that footage and him not being in it again just leaves me this feeling of it's incomplete it's like the people who could kind of really fill out this story and tell us about Giannis at this time because it becomes a real like it is purely it's a hagiography I mean it's produced by Giannis about Giannis um, but just kind of getting people and a lot of people like we really like and respect whether it be like Marcus Johnson Eric Name like these kind of core books media figures they are books centric, books focused media figures who you bring them in, they're going to talk about Giannis's greatness with the books. And I think people who are there just in that moment, because I even think Josh Oppenheimer gets that kind of role, right? Which is easy because, again, he's back around the team. So you can just be like, hey, after practice, can we do this? Which is honestly what it looks like kind of happened. I think there would have been something though to someone who was just there at that moment and hasn't necessarily reconnected with Giannis at like the peak of his powers in a professional capacity. Because I think it's very easy to do the do the rapid coach Chris Middleton feeds into this with like, yeah, he loves smoothies and you know that that kind of that kind of level of conversation around it. <laughs> we have that. Uh, which truly to people like you and I, Jordan, is iconic footage of Giannis with like the pizza dough uh, when like he could not be any more real thin. He also could not be any more happy to be just like here in America with, you know, here I am with pizza dough having his mind blown. Do we know where that was? I believe it was the Calderon Club. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I just... I am intrigued by who was in it and who wasn't in it. And I guess to expand that out so we can talk through all of the various people, Jason Kidd is quite prominently in this and honestly seems very, you know, amiable and, you know, quite uh, quite happy to be here. He's in very good form. I rarely saw Jason Kidd quite so chirpy during his actual time coaching Giannis in Milwaukee. Um, I mentioned Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday is in it. Uh, good choice. Drew Holiday is really an underrated talker. He is mm-hmm. a great, great communicator who's very straight, very straightforward. 
I always like I hearing Drew talk. I love yeah, him. He, he's great. Um, number Clopas. Now Mike Budenholzer. Bud doesn't even get name checked. In the entire documentary, you see him in the background. You can't. Oh, Bobby. But that surprised me less, right? I'm not. No, I'm not. That's not a shot at Bobby. This is ultimately when you tell the story of his career. Like we've been talking in terms of like core four, right? For prior to, I mean, it's still true now. The core four has swapped out Drew for Damian Lillard, but in recent years, that's how we've talked about the team built around Giannis. I would have expected Brooke to be there. Mm-hmm. I was surprised. I did when it started. And when I saw Kid, I was like, I actually do think Bud is still going to be here. Maybe it's just too soon for Bud. Maybe it's all too raw. I don't know when this was shot. That's entirely possible. That would again just speak to maybe the point of this is just a little too soon to be doing something like this, though. Um, yeah. because let's say he doesn't revisit in the future or doesn't have the opportunity to go and tell another definitive story of his career. Not having the coach you won a championship with in there, the coach I think that really transformed his career and helped to move it to a different level. That's a little unfortunate. No, Larry Drew, which again, if you want to play into the like young Giannis just arriving in America and some of that. We talked about this at the time. My favorite parts of Mirren's book were the Larry Drew anecdotes. And he comes across as just the most incredibly decent and caring man who had a really, like, a beautiful father-son-like relationship with Giannis um, beyond anything basketball. Like, just showed genuine care and did a lot to help him get his feet under him in the NBA. What was your, what was your main takeaway? Was there one thing I didn't... I try not to spoil all of that. I watched it the night before you, Jordan, in terms of who was in and who wasn't in. I gave you a couple um, to prepare you, but did that feel... I don't even need to ask. It did. It does feel incomplete, right? There's just there's a couple more people you would certainly like to hear their voice. That's at the top end, but I think then to the wider point, it's like, yeah, well, if you're going to try and tell like the Ross Geiger part of the story be nice for him to be in it or just like there's different figures like that too i also thought shout out to a member of the discord who i believe this is their mother that's okay that was the the point that i was going to make that is another terrible recreation they, they tell the you, story of it how do you not have the how lady? do you not go and get them to be on camera and tell the story get them to reunite with Janus. tell them when he's down at the art museum drop down you can have like a scene where he hugs them and they collectively retell the story which we just kind of we maybe have to explain it there because we just carried away with it it is the famous story of Giannis sending all of his money home as he was wont to do at that time before his parents had got to Milwaukee and on a game day leaving like a western union and being like oh there's no money in my bank and I've got a game in 90 minutes and starting to just run through the streets of Milwaukee towards the Bradley Center before a car stops. And a fan inside is like, hey, are you are you using new books, rookie? And he's like, yes. Can you give me a ride to the game? And they obliged. Like, the story is one thing him telling the story. It's another getting the perspective of what 
I, I've read, I've heard it, but again, this is, if you want to broaden this out and you really want to tell the story, it's like, you'd want people who aren't familiar with all the beats to get the perspective of what is it like to be a fan of a team and you're driving to a game and all of a sudden you see your team's new player and he's just running through the streets. The most Milwaukee thing I've ever heard. Uh, is that story? Just Yeah, just like the... Get in the car. All right, we got you to the game. All right, we're we're gonna go to our seats. Uh, like D- Dave, uh, you want you want a beer? Okay, I'll get you a beer, and then you know you go on with your day. Like at, at my first Brewers game, if I had said to someone, "This is my first Bre- Brewers game," they would have been like, "Do you want my Ben Sheets jersey off my back so it's a better <laughs> enjoyable experience?" So, oh yeah, I'm trying to think of Bud was probably the most glaring omission. Brook too. Um, I just think they're. Brooke, the... I mean, too. If you want to talk about people that have kind of been there throughout, I understand. I'm not surprised that he's not in it, but uh, John Horst. Yeah, I mean, he. Had... The guy just won't talk to the media. Exactly. Even, even um, when the media is, in fact, Giannis. Um, you forgot to mention Jim Paskey was a, a prominent. Jim Paskey is phenomenal, and it just made of me course. love and miss him. You know, but but I really mean like a game Paschke, where yeah. I know there's a lot of oh god, wouldn't it be great to have Paschke back? Which is like it's so obvious. God, he was as good as he's ever been. I just he like a lot of the most emotional moments come from his delivery, from his retelling of stories, um, particularly because I guess he gets to tell some of the the build up towards the championship and those two. He named Act two. I don't think That's they were right. thinking about that, and then he's like. Right. Tomo. I don't. The act structure is nonsense. <laughs> it only has two acts, right? Three. It did have a third. Like, when it does did. the third act start? Is that championship it's, season? Uh, MVP. Start of MVP. So if you're if you're watching this movie or documentary, you kind of think that Jason Kidd is the coach throughout. He's not. Good lord, we wouldn't want anyone to think that. No. Yeah, Paschke is incredible. Can you imagine that? Paschke getting the time he gets to is is a great thing. It's very, very welcome. Um, Yeah, Yeah, he rules. Johnny Mac. Johnny Mac is not in it, but yeah, you wish he was. But Paschke kind of, he speaks for that. I think to your point of why Larry Drew wasn't in it, I feel like they kind of felt like between Paschke you have John Hammond, you have Oppenheimer, you have people that represent that era, that, you know, f- humble beginnings coming over the culture shock thing. Josh it Oppenheimer would've... does not represent it better than Larry Drew, though. I know that I know they're close and they yeah. have a more day to day continued close relationship. And there's just an element of convenience. That. That's not how you tell your story. Like, you don't go, what's the most convenient way to tell my life story in this documentary? Like, I think there's a lot of choices that could be made too that you could have had a lot more in. You're not necessarily expanding at the runtime to a crazy extent. Francis. Like we're we're not even we're we're kind of we're focusing on to the books part of it. And I do want to prioritize that so we will continue to do that. But I mean, unsurprisingly, the core of the film is based around brotherhood and it's based around family. These are the core elements for Yannis, and there is a lot in there that is, you know, reliably touching. Um 
I don't want to be glib about that, but I just feel like though we I'm I'm getting closer to a point of like, yeah, 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 honest, we've heard it before, where it's like that's stuff that holds real weight, but when we keep getting it in the same way and the same kind of spirit over and over, it it starts to lose something that it really shouldn't. You know, the story of Giannis and Tanasis sharing their sneakers, you know, Tanasis finishes his game, he takes them off, Giannis puts them on, he goes out and plays his game. That's amazing. It has been told like thousands of times. His most and recent shoe model is based on it. It's literally based on it. He was talking about it this weekend, last weekend, two weekends ago as you listen to this. Um, like, it's it's something that should always pack a punch, but if you're going to keep telling it and telling it and telling it and telling it, you got to find better ways to tell it, to make it land. And I just... See, I'm I, not sure. I, what's interesting... Because I again, this it's the core to any story that you tell of Giannis. I think what was very interesting to me. There's a couple points I have here. Both are not really related to one another. But the point that I'm trying to make right now is, I think it was very interesting to see how things have evolved, how family has evolved for Giannis, because like we mentioned earlier, you know we know of. Giannis and his partner we see his kids on the sidelines of games you know what I mean pre-game or you know when he wins a championship we see these things and he allows what he allows or, or sends out what he sends out of what it's like to you know when he's not away from the when he's away from the basketball court and all that stuff but to see that how things have evolved from him for him as family is considered I thought it was really interesting and I think it was I liked the inclusion of seeing Mariah speak to things and Big seeing time. how their their relationship is a, has evolved because you know that's natural that is life of you know he was so tight knit with his family obviously and given all of the struggles and perils that they have overcome and shattered any notion of what it's like to be an immigrant and a foreign country and all this stuff and not just one but two um i thought that they really kind of hit home what it was or what it, it's like to do that and kind of conquer that perception and all that stuff so i i thought that was really interesting to me also like i'm rambling now it was i really like seeing his mom be featured in these things because that was the one thing that one of the biggest things that stood out in Marin's book. And ever since then, to see his mom talk, to see the archival footage of Charles, mm-hmm. like I remember like the, the first game that they were came over and how momentous it was. Like again, it was a dark season, so you cling to the hope of these like bright spots and everything like that. But it's, you know, sometimes those things kind of fall through the cracks. It's it's a sideline bit for whatever sideline reporter was at the time. Tully Hughes or, you know, all these kind of great Fox Sports Wisconsin people. But, like, that's what it, you know what I mean? Like, those are kind of ephemeral. And then you see him talking and you see them kind of, like, seeing all these things that they're that are new 
coming to Milwaukee, seeing the Bradley Center and how just cramped it was in the locker room and the and the obviously the Cousin Center anecdotes are amazing. That's just, good. That's that's the anecdotes we've heard for a long time. Um and they're I try to think, are we getting recreations on that or do we we get some authentic? I think we get some we authentic. Get, we got we got authentic footage of priests playing basketball and pennies. That is additive, right? That is that is bringing to life like a legendary element of it. And I don't think they went far enough on the, you know, the fact that Giannis did want to buy the cousin center for himself. When, it, when, when he talks about out. it, he, I forget, I'm going to forget. But he doesn't, his... he doesn't, it does that doesn't get stressed enough for people. It's like, he talks, he's like, I thought it was the best place in the world. It was really special to me. And there is also the really kind of touching element. Um, I think it's from Kid, right? Who talks about the yes. night that, that Charles dies, that the books basically just opened up the practice facility and let the whole family to come back there and spend the night like there. And I, that was again, that was in Mirren's book. I'm pretty sure is where, where I'd read about that of the brothers just yep. playing basketball there and just being together. That's how they dealt with like the immediate aftermath um, of, of Charles dying. I, I think to your point, right? I think the path to a much better film here involves killing all your darlings, right? not worrying about telling all of this stuff over and over again that people have heard. I think the beating heart of this film and the most interesting stuff is all tied to fatherhood. Yes. Make a film about Giannis's dad. Make a film about Giannis becoming a dad. Because the arc is there, and I think a lot of the best moments, even just in terms of picking out random elements from his career, so obviously you have that Knicks game when his parents first get to come over. Um, you have which still I just I think is one of just the most like heartbreaking and touching moments but the night he goes off against the Blazers and he writes on the game ball he dedicates to his dad like you could build around that you could tell a lot of the early part of his life but focus in on Charles and specifically like what he took from that how it shaped his brothers and we get quite a lot of that when Yana speaks but I think a more tighter focus you could do that because we later get to the point where Mariah kind of talks about the importance to Giannis of having kids because he wants to be like his father and he wants to do what his father does again. And we can also see the parallels in his career and what it mm-hmm. like what it did for him as a man. And it's not something that hasn't been like that hasn't been spoken upon at all, but I think you could explore it in a more interesting way. I thought of it when watching it, I thought about it again when you kind of touched on it there but it's like i think you could tell the arc and like that could be the way and particularly telling charles story i agree with you and that's the only problem i'd have is it was great to actually see veronica his mother speak because she's someone that you see all the time you see her like in the background like with just this massive smile on her face but we don't hear her very often if at all, like it is very rare to hear her speak, even in the recent on Amazon um, WhatsApp short documentary where her and Giannis go back to Nigeria. That is very much about her. And he frames it as about her. We hear very little from her when it comes to speaking. I think she sings more she speak than she speaks. I, I think you're right. But I do think like what's the what's the arc that comes true and what's with everything they're doing with the Charles and Antetokounmpo Foundation and what central that to me is the movie. That's where you yeah. like that's where you make a much better documentary. 
And it's a documentary that, yes, it's about this incredible immigrant journey. And it's about Giannis and his success with the Milwaukee Bucks. But it's also about what his father meant to him, what he took from his father, where that led them to, and what it meant to Giannis to then become a father and be able to, you know, carry that on or bring that into into the lives of the next generation. I guess I'm asking too much though, because this is just like this is again just the I was gonna say slick, but I don't think that necessarily applies. So it's just like the really quickly packaged, let's throw this up on a stream or this is Giannis's life. Where it is, but it's not revealing anything because you're not picking one element and just really digging deep, diving in and letting it define it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I will say, I think the most revealing and probably the hardest thing to talk about, obviously, is when they touch on Charles's death and there's details yeah. in there that are, I don't want to necessarily share. I feel like if you are have watched it, but like, it's predictably hard, obviously, but it's it just kind of gives the weight of just how massive that was. And I remember in, in the moment, too, of just how it was, where it's like it's just a shocking thing to just suddenly lose someone that way who was such a massive part of Giannis's life. I mean, from that and at, and that, at point, that point in his life when things were exactly. on the up, it was the big basically it should have been the beginning of a new life for Charles as much as it was for Giannis. Yes. Fifth his the start of his fifth season, they weren't even I want to say that was like the fourth or fifth game of that year. And by the the Blazers game, I, I should say. Mm-hmm. And just how you know it was at the moment. I think I want to say Vin Baker who again I thought of very good in the documentary. Very good. Very good. And he just kind of gives light to just how it was and Mariah's, you know, part in it. And it's just, you know, that to me was the most revelatory. It's hard not to, you know, choke up about it when you're watching it because it's just, it. you feel it. Even all these years later, you never shake that feeling of, I never knew this man, but I knew what he meant to Giannis. And that's where it was, I you know, I think any neutral watcher would feel that too it's also what you reveal in the doc right because that's yeah for example the phone call between Yas and tanasas no no reporters got that no one else can have that that's yours yeah. it's your most deeply personal thing it's like there, there's lots more and maybe in some ways they're like oh but the most interesting things is this bit that's out there it's it doesn't have to be that it's what have you like what have you got that we don't know it's like let us in i i we probably talked about this quite a lot privately, Jordan, and honestly, I've probably talked about it with you too, Andrew. I don't feel like I know Giannis at all. And even, I feel like I know him less with every passing day. He's a very private person, but we are seeing him change. 
um, for all of the like hysteria that followed. For example, it was New York Times, wasn't it, where he gave the quotes in the off season that had people being like, "Oh, is he gonna go somewhere else?" Like part of that is I and actually Ross don't... Geiger's podcast and that too. Um, <laughs> but there is that element of he has changed as a person. He's at a different stage in his life, and I it's not just as easily readily accessible. You can't just package him like into this neat fun bundle of endless joy like you could in his first couple of years of the league like further playing into that the story that has been reported lately and that he has talked about but talks more about here is um being very very close to retirement in the championship season which is the kind of thing that every time i hear that i'll just be like ah come on i'm really skeptical i'll roll my eyes at it you watch Mariah talk about it and be really deeply emotional and stressed that nobody knows like just where he was at and what he was going through at that time. Then it's kind of impossible not to take it seriously, not to believe it. Right. So you got, uh, was it, it was Costas, right? It was like, Costas was like, yeah. I'll, I'll give up too. Make <laughs> sure just like, whoa. Well, we're talking about different things here, but beside the point, this is all very rash. If you're just like, he, listen, he needs to know I support him. I'll retire too. Um, <laughs> I just, but that's like, that's revealing. And when Mariah talks about that, it's like, yeah, that's not out there. Like no one else can talk to that. I just wish there was a little bit more of that. I think but it's, what... it's also not who he is now to the point, right? It's why we don't know him is he is not readily kind of oh here is that i'm sure there's lots of stuff that interviewees talked about in this documentary that may have ended up on the cutting room floor because i mean whether that's like his family members or it's mariah whether it's you know kid teammates media people there could be things he's like mm -hmm. yeah i want to keep that as you know mine ours whatever it might be Kenny Smith, based on what we know about how he talks Kenny, in the microphone Kenny lately. Smith. <laughs> Kenny Smith, for anyone who doesn't know, um, Giannis is partnered in his ventures at the moment with Kenny Smith on this documentary. Did you forget that, Jordan? I did that, forget that. That is why Kenny Smith is in the documentary, because there is no there is no good reason for him to be like the one national pundit. It makes much more well, sense when Ernie Johnson appears, because... And Malika well, Andrews. Well, he's got history with Malika Andrews. But which, I, I could which doesn't see, get yes. addressed, which is kind of in its own right. It's like, yeah, the good documentary, you know, the last dance version of this. Yeah. This is definitely she, is she uh the same Smith of, of this situation? Um not quite, but I mean look, he said it. <laughs> I mean his history with Malik is is honestly no different to his history with with Eric Name, where yeah. in the quote that is used towards the end of it that viral moment from last year of, you know, is this season a failure and that kind of thing. And Giannis himself in that moment, like within the bit that doesn't last in the clip kind of that explosion happens because of the relationship he has with Eric. Right. And because the trust yeah. that's there and a feeling that I can do that and we can just put it past us and we can move on again. And the reality is probably that that was the same with Malik Andrews who used to get a lot of really significant stuff. Yeah. He's not in it though. Chris Haynes. Chris Haynes not in it. No, that that was interesting. He, he didn't want to pick favorites. Adam is what it was. This is his family. I don't know if you know, Andrew. He's Mariah's cousin. Oh, I didn't know that. 
that's yeah. that's fun. That's that's why when Chris Haynes says something about Giannis, you listen, right? It's there's there is I, a, a possible direct line there. And so if Chris Haynes says anything about the books now, you absolutely listen. Uh, see, I knew that there was a reason. I didn't know the what as the, as the outsider. Uh, yeah, I want to agree with everything you guys have just said. Uh, in that the parts of this that work so well for me, uh, like I wanted more of. Like I want more Charles. You said that I want that story because I think there's something so universal about fathers and mothers wanting better for their children, and Charles obviously accomplished that. Uh, and Giannis now being a father of a three, is it? Um, yeah. At this point, two sons yeah. and a daughter. Um, it probably, I assume, wants the same. And that kind of just like dueling narrative of like my my dad's gone. I want to kind of do for my kids what he did for me, but I'm also this like massive like celebrity and superstar basketball player. And that humanizing element of the universal shared human experience, whereas, like, I mean, I'll, I'll say this on this podcast. My wife doesn't listen. Um, this, you know, we're starting, you know, we're talking about having kids and buying a house and, and that sort of thing. And it's like the big thing that's weighing over me is like, OK, <laughs> like, what am, what am I going to do about that? I can barely be responsible for myself. How am I going to be responsible for these living, breathing things that are their own whole person? And just grappling with that. And if I didn't have my dad in the world to like bounce things off, like that's, I don't know what I would do. And Giannis is living that out in real time. And I think honing in on that story about him uh, and his dad's life and everything would just be so powerful and moving. So if something like that can ever be produced, maybe it's too personal for Giannis. Maybe that's the issue here. Um, Like, but, but those elements, like when I was watching the stuff about, you know, like you said, Jordan, we won't go into details, but of like the day that, his father died and, you know, having to talk to his brother and having to go to the apartment, that sort of thing. That's also just like kind of a thing that, you know, talking about the harrowing backstory of his family getting from Nigeria to Greece, living in poverty, not knowing if you're going to eat at night, but the parents always making sure you did. Uh, That's harrowing because like, it's just something that's like so unfathomable that, that you could go from that point to becoming a superstar. And then you get on the opposite extreme where you're the superstar, you're this larger than life character, basketball player and telling the story about the, like, yeah, even superstars, you wake up one day and you figure out that your dad died mm-hmm. and you have to process that. So it's just like the two opposite extremes of like extreme harrowing upbringing and now I'm on the top of the mountain. You all have shared relatable human experiences and seeing that on screen about your favorite basketball player in your favorite city is incredibly just like connecting like to people and also just compelling as you learn more about who he is as a person. I think this, the brief glimpses, like you said, maybe a day of, uh, excuse me, there it is. Every podcast I have to call. Uh, welcome, Jordan. Welcome to my call. Uh, him interacting with Mariah, like so relatable to me, like Mariah is like pregnant and on the couch and just like wanting a moment of peace. And he's coming up, up, up behind her, like making goofy faces and stuff. And I was like, yeah, that, he just like me for real. That's kind of how I felt in, in that moment. Like seeing your partner annoyed at you is just another universal shared human experience and seeing him with his kids. Like that's the good stuff about like Giannis that 
maybe like like I said earlier, it's too personal to get to know. But that's the kind of stuff that makes you feel like you know him more. And I feel like in future content endeavors, maybe we get more of that. Maybe we don't. But it it's what makes this documentary so hard to talk about because it's just like snip, snap, snip, snap, back and forth between the stuff that isn't really working and feels just like hastily put together and like the real human stuff. And the human stuff is what I'm here for. Exactly. I mean, and that's what complements then our appreciation of Giannis you know, the basketball player is a great understanding of who he is. A guy that like everyone agrees is couldn't be more outwardly like this great person and this, you know, what he stands for and what he has spoken for really from the moment he's got there and the gratitude he shows to the city of Milwaukee and the gratitude he receives in return. It's again one of those where I just kind of feel like this is too soon because for example, on his father, he talks about not having processed that, not having processed the grief and that being a central part of the low place he found himself in when all of the pressure was piling on him on the court and he considered retiring. Some of that is going to be so personal that it would never make its way into something like this. But you know what? 10 or 15 years from now, he might have more to say about actually, well, here's how I worked through that. Or here's what I took from that. And this is how that specifically factored into my parenthood. Uh, and being a father myself. Like there is, there's the shape of something better there. I think for him um, in just having waited. Uh, then even in telling Charles the story, like Charles, Charles is someone that the broad strokes again, like so much of this, I'm like endlessly familiar with. But it's like, imagine if you really were telling a story in the arc of his father. It's like, and you were to really able, like, this family of, like, freak athletes. Well, it starts with Charles being a soccer player in Nigeria, and his career comes to an end because he can't legally be employed when he when they move to Greece. But, like, that is something in its own right, that if you, like, just start the story even a little bit sooner, it gives us something different and kind of fills this out in a different you know, a slightly more unique way than what we already know. I Look, there's a lot of good stuff in here. I By the end, I really enjoyed it. I'm, part of the reason for that is because the book's been a championship, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone, spoiler alert, but towards the end of Giannis the Marvelous Journey, the books do, in fact, become NBA champions. As we know, Jordan, then the NBA just ceased to exist. It stopped because there was Thank nothing God. else Nothing else to be done. Um, it really does recapture some of the magic. And it's brief. Like, you're looking at a 20, 25-minute spell that you're afforded to for that. But bar another Giannis project, realistically, or bar the books really figuring it out and rolling off, like, three or four titles in a row, this may well be the closest we get to a documentary on that season, on that team. And it is not satisfactory at all, like for that, because there is no Brooke, there's no Bud, there's no Bobby, there's no Pat. Um, no PJ. No Jeff Teague. Come on, Jeff Teague in the documentary. That's where all the laughs are going to come from. Sam Merrill. Yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, Justin Jackson certainly cut himself out of the documentary. Like, yeah. He's not got himself back in the, the league, party. but not in the, not the documentary. Um, A very welcome reminder, honestly, right now of a time when watching the books was 
not just a source of joy, but like a source of some of the greatest sporting joy I've ever experienced, um, which really it does feel far away this season. And it was something we talked a lot about in the aftermath and in that moment of like just trying to not let that get away from us. I think we did a very good job, you and I, Jordan, for a year, um, maybe even two <laughs> years. But here we are. I'll still be like that. <laughs> you are, but it's also, let's not pretend that. It just it's not the get out of jail card that bypasses the current misery um that it was able to be for a year, two years. Um it is magic though. It really is magic when you see some of that. And again, you, you could have so much more of it. It doesn't even touch like the net series. Does it not starts touch really it. starts really from game four of the Hawk series, which Kevin Durant's shoe did touch the three-point line, though. I just want to make that clear. Even if this did not touch on that. Carry on, Jordan. Apologies. Honestly, it still doesn't give me enough of what happens from when he goes down against the Hawks to when he takes the floor in game one against the Suns. Even in talking about it, I want more. I'm like, there is... There is more to this. I could I could get more detail. That's where if it is the last dance, that's nearly a whole episode, right? Because oh. this is this is the most like consequential thing. It's and dramatically for your arc, you can't ask for more. That's it's... your that's your Willis Reed moment. I I know Willis Reed's moment was literally only game seven, but that is the equivalent of it. You know, just this mammoth your Paul Pierce moment no (laughs) can we get a there were no cameras involved but I wanted a documentary about like the military service as well can we get uh, an episode on that (laughs) wait what yes you wrote about this at the time yeah of course yes Uh, it was very brief Um, it might literally just have been some paper pushing you know i think it's it's very possible they were well also the other part of of that it doesn't touch about on the finals element but the nasa is talking about like all these different things that's going on he has Um, COVID. yes yes that he's he was not even in the building i noticed they didn't show the bit of the phone call where he is like i'm going to you now i'm going it's like because where everyone else was like, no, 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 Giannis, no, no. Don't, <laughs> don't do that. You've got a parade you've got to go to. And then, I I mean, I would have liked to get Tanasa's actually talking about, you know, when he was in the car and the parade, and then all of a sudden he was not in the car and all that stuff, which is just, it's funny after the fact. But yeah, that's, that's certainly another element. Sorry, Adam. It just, an image popped into my mind, and it's uh, the last detail, but it's Giannis, Thanasis, and AJ Green uh, taking a across a country trip i love that that is a very niche <laughs> reference for the people who are listening to this on the eurostep podcast network feed check out the make last time detail. for this feed we'll appreciate it it's on on criterion channel right now Andrew. that's where you watched it right yep it's fantastic jack nicholson hal ashby um okay i had something else and the last details uh, i risk with you i know what it was there's only one place we could finish this This documentary chooses to invoke Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, his departure, and the early years of the Milwaukee Bucks a number of times with uh, 
footage that was like a jump scare to me. Um, I don't know how many people on the planet are familiar with this footage. Jordan and I cert certainly are. There's not a whole ton of it out there. Um, listen, there's some good stuff that doesn't make it in there. Um, but there were some pieces of footage I was familiar with. And we also got a beautiful song, which, you know, do you expect to make it swing something like this? Part of me feels like that stuff ended up in here just as a byproduct of the books being one of the most like under undercovered, not undercover, like, you know, detectives undercovered teams in the history of American sports where the actual materials you've got to use are pretty limited. And yeah, a song from the very beginning of the franchise um, footage of obviously your first championship, but then of the biggest star part, Dionis, his departure and everything about that. But was there, there was another moment later though, where they flashed back to like some, they, I know what it was. It was a Braves, Braves leave for Atlanta newspaper, mm -hmm. which Andrew, that was seen a jump scare for you. But I, <laughs> I was like, they were just, they were talking about like athletes leaving and you got a Kareem thing. And then it goes to a newspaper shot of the Braves leaving. And I was like, I spit my seltzer on my laptop screen when I saw that. <laughs> I just they're they're somewhat stepping on our toes. But how did you feel, Jordan? Um well I know just even those the small sprinkling getting some wider exposure of of that book story. It really was just the slightest sprinkling, which is honestly a relief. Um but yeah, that was interesting, I'll say. I, of course, was all for it. I loved it. I did Super tell you in advance about that. You and did. You were, you were excited. <laughs> it really... And that, too, was pretty... That, honestly, was when things got better with the movie, I would say. Like, that is a very turning point. Like, it's not just the scene archival footage and everything like that, but it, introducing Milwaukee into the story... I just thought that they kind of it's very broad strokes, but they told it very kind of well to how the story has always been told. And there's some things I hadn't seen. Like there was a footage of Greg Smith and John McLaughlin uh, pulling from a champagne bottle after winning the 71 title, which was amazing because I've always seen the, you know, Kareem in the locker room getting interviewed by, um, God, I'm Jack Twyman. Yes. Um, and just kind of, he's chewing on his bubble gum and then Oscar comes in and <laughs> that kind of thing. But you don't see, like, you see some Anything of the else around it. Uh, you see that no. clip. Well, you and I have seen it thousands of times. Most people yeah. probably have not. But, but uh, not um, to get inside baseball, you and I know that a larger archive of all of that does exist and we know where the ownership of it lies and then we also know I mean Giannis has got like direct books connections aside from being a books player involved in the production of this documentary so the access levels are very real to just yes. you know open up not, not just the stuff that the books have but we'll say the stuff that is archived and is being minded by other organizations on behalf of the books, the kind of the doors that would be open for the books or archive. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, again, I was, it's Bucks history. I'm a nerd. 
Love it. <laughs> I listen. I'm all for the book stops here, playing out and honestly any content. Um, mm-hmm. you can get it anywhere, everywhere. The more the merrier. In conclusion, did you guys like this documentary? And did you think it was good? Two questions. I would say I enjoyed it. Is it the best telling of Giannis's story of pretty much since the championship? No. Marin Fader's book is the definitive way to learn it. It's a very it it's kind of to compare and contrast it like constantly because I think really if you read that book or if you watch this you'll kind of get both stories but when it bridges off into the MVP years of Giannis's life in this movie or this document documentary that feels more fresh to me there were things that we learned about that were not in the book about you know him learning to be or be, that he was becoming a dad on the night that he won his first MVP award. Did That's not an know incredible, that. Yes. Incredible That's detail. detail. Um, but when we're talking about the, the kind of the origin story of everything like that, like we see it in Rise, you've read it in the book. I think the book just kind of all the things that they are, that Marin was writing in that book and all the themes or just kind of the offshoot indirect characters or, or, parties whatever you want to call it i think it's just it weaves together so seamlessly that in ways that Giannis's story and how it's been told in further ways adaptations or whatever has not come close to hitting but i think that's where again i i enjoyed where things really kick off in Milwaukee onwards because that's where I kind of feel like what he's trying to tell with the story is hits home or lands harder because of not just because he's a Bucks player and it's my favorite team and all that stuff and seeing the championship stuff that doubles as a championship film. But I think that's where things kind of open up and it's, you know, it's a little bit different and new than the story that we've seen before or heard for millions or not millions, but pretty much a decade. I don't know, Jordan post COVID 2020 on, it has felt like millions of years and the way time has passed. And it's also felt like 20 minutes. So Um, I'll say it felt like, so, you know, when 30 for 30 was just like, booming and they were churning out films once a month it felt like there would be the great ones there would be the okay ones and there would be the forgettable ones and i put this somewhere in the middle because i just wanted more from the portions that really stuck with me is i just wanted more of that like what i said about his father um and like his fatherhood and and that sort of thing and just like the really dug in human moments like some of the archival footage that i really liked was him after being drafted just going around like the team facilities and meeting people and just like that's the true fish out of water stuff 
at the beginning of the journey that me as an outsider, not a Bucks fan, was not like scrolling Bucks Twitter at that point, seeing them tweet out a video of the draft pick walking around. So I like that. Yeah, I don't think they were um, like literally sharing them though. Like I don't. For all we know, they could have been like, I don't know, the ticket office crew. He's like just shaking everyone's hands and introducing like himself. It. Like, like so I saw that, myself. That's a level that of yeah. That's it's that's not just like oh here he is in the front office just shaking you know yeah key scouts key basketball personnel that was truly going on the business side of the of the business just being like yeah hi I'm Yas nice to meet you yeah I like that just because like when I worked at NC State or whatever and a coach would come by the office and like we're like the um. I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but like we're just sitting there in our little cubicles, like trying to make a hundred dials a day to sell tickets and coaches like, yeah, keep working guy. Uh, that, so I recognize myself in that setting and seeing Giannis just be, be like, all right, I'm on this new basketball team. I'm walking through these offices. Um, I, I want more of Giannis's story when he's done. I think timing is the, the biggest issue with this documentary is that a lot of the portions feel hastily put together and it's just like we need to get this out for content purposes i think that's that's a problem with a lot of athlete-led media these days like adam was talking about with the steph uh documentary uh i haven't seen the jeremy lynn one although we know his career is well over and done with um so that's not necessarily the same kind of issue um i think it's just the, the desire to stake your name on something and be like, all right, here's the first version of my story. And then there will be more to follow. It's like, we talk about like writing an autobiography 30 years into your life. It's like, well, you know, this is part one. So I think there's more to Giannis's story that hopefully gets told in time and he has the medium to do it. And, um, this is just like the, uh, the appetizer and uh hopefully we get a, a full course meal uh but not like uh not like the prince from the taste of things adam because his meal was too robust uh i, I choose uh a, a more uh composed meal than that i'm trying to build things in for the make time for this listen i know you're 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 pleasing both audiences and we appreciate <laughs> you for that um i ultimately like it I mean, you're gonna win me with over with championship footage. If I was to rewatch this again, I would skip the first twenty five minutes, and that is a that's a really crappy thing to be saying about that part of Giannis's life. And I think you've really failed as a documentary if that's something people are saying about that part of it. So, I, I that would make me say that this is not necessarily good. It is. It maybe nets out as being perfectly mediocre because there is a lot more good towards the back half to two thirds. The opening of the movie really ain't it though. Still, if you're a books fan, like most people listening to this are, are you going to enjoy it? Yeah. Of course. Hell yeah. There's a lot of really great books moments in there. And it's about the greatest player. The franchise has, has ever had. Okay, that does it for us for this week. As always, thanks to all of you for listening. For more books, content from Jordan and I, but also from Taiwan and Ron Cuddy and the Eurostep, make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts to the main feed. 
Eurostep Podcast Network. For more talk of movies, pop culture, all that stuff from Andrew and I, make sure you're subscribed to make time for this. Where we get your pods. Of course, you should also check out Talking to Tundra with Jordan and Numac for all things Packers. Cruising for a bruising with Andrew and I for all things Brewers. And we'll be back with y'all very, very soon. As always, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks, Adam. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.